You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. Today, unexpectedly, a lot to talk about. After we recorded yesterday, James, the Bengals' new uniforms may have leaked. We're going to talk about the uniforms, what we like, what we don't like, whether we think they're legit. And then we're going to talk about what Duke Tobin had to say during his press conference today. In typical Duke Tobin fashion, he spoke a lot for about 20 minutes. I wish it was longer, but didn't say a whole lot necessarily. And so we're going to read between the lines. We're going to pick out the big takeaways. And we're going to talk about what that tells us about our expectations for the Bengals this offseason. But James, let's get started with those uniforms. They don't look good on a hanger. They don't look good in that baggy cut. But anybody that's heard me talk about jerseys before, James, knows that I have those complaints about the way that NFL jerseys are typically, or or I guess historically sold. I learned about something called a vapor cut, though. Have you ever heard of this? It's like a more fitted version of the Nike uniform. Have you seen these? I've seen like Nike vapor, like it's an addition. Yeah. It's not, and it's not just jerseys, you know, like I think cleats and, you know, different products. Hell, I think hoodies come in that. So they have jerseys that are like that too. Yeah. They have these, they have these vapor jerseys that people were telling me are, are cut more like the European football, the soccer shirts that they sell for people that are uh-huh. soccer fans, which fit like a t-shirt. It's more fitted. And anytime you get a, a like a poorly fitted dress, is effectively what old school NFL jerseys are, the, the XLs <laughs> being the smallest size you can get. They look awful on 90% of the population, I would say. And I think that was the initial reaction for a lot of people when they saw those jerseys on the hanger. But as soon as the, the talented artists got their hands on it, threw it into Photoshop and started doing the mock-ups on players over pads, what it would actually look like on the players, I think... The, the perception started to change. My initial reaction was these are going to look a lot better on pads without sleeves than they do on this hanger. I don't blame fans because not, and not that you are, but my initial reaction was, Oh God, <laughs> they got it wrong. Like I, I was doing everything that everybody else did. I was like, Oh, those look rough. And look, it's eBay and there are plenty of knockoffs on eBay and odds are the exact jerseys that the Bengals release next month aren't going to be identical to what we saw, but they're going to be probably cl- close. I think it's close, right? It's probably a knockoff of the real thing. And it gives you an idea of what they're going to look like. But Initially, I was like, ooh, and I made a face and I was cringing and I was like, man, there were so many options. But then to your point, once you and you're better at this than me, I think I react in the moment a little more. And you probably took a deep breath within like a minute, took me a couple of hours after I threw up the article like, man, these are the new jerseys that potentially leaked. And and then I was like, OK, and we had already recorded our podcast for for Monday morning. So I was like. All right, I'm going to do an article about this. And I saw it your way where it looks much better. And you've seen so many talented designers from Unimox did one, I think, where it's just the jersey on its own. And it is that cut that you're talking about. And it just looks way better. And and editor, uh, your designers did it on Burrow, Sam Hubbard. you've, You've seen a bunch of them. And they look much better. And so that's the key here. By the way, 
I'm only wearing an NFL jersey moving forward if it's in this vapor cut because we don't eat built bars for nothing, Jake. We got to show off the guns a little bit. And these these old school NFL jerseys, you can't do that. So, um, yeah, the the vapor cut, I like it. I didn't know that's what it was called, but that's really the only way jersey should be sold now because it really doesn't matter if you're you're ripped you're thin you're heavier it's a football jersey and and just because the the sleeves are shorter it's not going to impact anything right it's you're still going to look uh relatively normal so it's it's much better than the baggy 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 jerseys that look like they're ready to hold two pairs of shoulder pads i would just like it if the jerseys that i bought as a fan the sleeves didn't come down past my elbow and the bottom of the thing didn't come down to like halfway down my quads, you know, like it's mm-hmm. it's literally as long as a dress, but tear it's not fitted at all. It's just this like it's like a it's like you're wearing it's like a square a too. Yeah, square. Exactly. It, it's ridiculous. And, you're 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 not built like a refrigerator, Jake. Sorry to tell you. Yeah, may, maybe maybe refrigerator Perry was the original, the original model for these uniforms that they decided to sell for, to fans. Uh, shout out real quick to Seth Reese on Twitter at 94 feet, uh, 90 spelled out for the number feet. He's got a really cool image of the mock-ups of what the white uniforms might look like with the, the new stripes on the shoulders. Joe Burrow throwing a really good looking football in that picture. Really nice mock-up there. So if you want to see what the whites might look like, you can go check that out. They're all over Twitter. My overall takeaway, James, I give them like an eight out of 10. I think it, it is a pretty minor redesign, but they hit some of the big, the big notes that I had a problem with. And and the biggest thing is they got rid of the side panels. They got rid of the ridiculous, like three colors coming together in the shoulder pad kind of deal mm-hmm. where, you know, they had the, 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 the little, uh, what what do you even call it? Like collarbone up or or chest up uh, stripe at the top of the uniforms, the side panel, and then a solid color in the middle. It was just too much. So I do like that aspect of it, the simplicity. My my big complaint is probably I, I don't love the number, the, the font they chose for the number. I really like the Paul Brown signature on the collar. I think that's a really cool touch if, if that does turn out to be the real thing. And I assume that these are, like you said, probably pretty close to the real thing. What do you think of the redesign? What what grade do you give them out of 10? And do you think these are pretty close to the real thing? Seven, seven and a half in that range because they're they're good. They're not great, but they're not awful. And they're certainly not what I initially thought of when, when I saw that stupid baggy dress. That's what I'll call it, hanging from a, a hanger. And it just looked really, really poor. It Ultimately, I think the the fact that the orange is going to match the helmet, which sounds so simple, like (laughs) is such a big deal. And you're right. There was so much going on, so many different colors, orange here, black here, white here. And it's just simplify it. Some sometimes simple is better. And I think these are going to be better. And I think they're going to look better. And just because some knockoff on a website leaked and made them look a certain way, doesn't mean that's how they're going to look. And again, all of all of those edits, I think they look pretty damn solid. Again, were there some concepts out there that, that I liked better? Yes. But I also knew that the, the odds of the Bengals, one, appeasing everybody and getting a 10 out of 10 from everybody, zero chance that's going to happen. And, and so is a 7 out of 10 for me, is that pretty good? I think so. And I, I think that this 
the the fact that they got rid of the B is is pretty big. I like that it says Bengals on the front. And you're right about the font. I've seen that as a, a common thing. And, and really the most common complaint and gripe I've gotten from YouTube to Twitter everywhere has been that they look like the Bears jerseys. And the only really thing that I can think of is because it's rounded, the numbers are rounded. So it reminds them because of the orange and the Bears have an alternate jersey that's orange. But because the Bengals jerseys are black. The one that leaked that went the most viral was black. The Bears don't have a black jersey that I can remember, right? It's dark blue. So to me, that that doesn't really make sense. The only thing I can think of is the font. And I get it because if, if you did and you went with block numbers, I do think that that might look better. But they went with the round ones, and so they get a 7 out of 10. But that's still pretty damn good. If if someone said I was a 7 out of 10, I would take it, and I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't argue. It's a pretty good grade. It's an improvement, right, for sure. It's – there's less of the eyesore. And, and some of the Bengals jerseys on the players actually looked really nice. And it was mostly how they looked on fans. I think the the improvements in the cut of the jerseys and getting rid of the side panels, getting rid of the shoulder thing are just going to be big improvements. But yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. The Bengals, nobody is going to please everybody with a uniform redesign. And I think that is especially true when you're dealing with like orange and black versus some of the colors that some other teams get to work with. Like I, I do think that the orange is actually, I like it a lot, but I think it is actually like a design limitation. It, it kind of forces them to do some things that maybe some other teams could do a little bit differently with the powder blue, for example, in, in Los Angeles that everybody loves. Unfortunately, James, we do have to talk about football a little bit on this podcast. Let's get into Duke Tobin's (laughs) comments coming up next. We're going to divine the future for the Bengals by digging into the lines of Duke Tobin's press conference. And if you are also a diviner of the future, you know what's coming because you can read the sands, the tea leaves, whatever it is. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on really anything you want from sports like basketball, hockey, baseball is coming up pretty soon here to awards. They, they have reality TV props. They've got NFL draft props, odds and props on pretty much anything you can imagine. Bet online is a place for you. They've got you covered for all the news scores and the odds. It's the best and easiest way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Not only is it free to sign up, but you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit today, if you go to betonline.ag and use promo code locked on. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Bengals Director of Player Personnel, Duke Tobin, spoke with the media for the first time in 2021 on Monday. And he had a lot to say, Jake. And the thing that stood out the most to me, and I think it's the thing that stood out to, the, to anyone that was watching it, is that he mentioned one, build around Burrow which I wish we had a dollar for every time we've said that on this podcast over the past four months because we'd have a lot of dollars and could buy a lot of built bars or bet with bet online or, or buy a car parts at Rock Auto. But that's what my takeaway was, is the Bengals are on the same page as us. Now, the plan might not be the same. I don't know who they're going to attack or who they're going to go after. But Duke Tobin said we plan to build around Burrow. Duke Tobin said that they realize he, he's a, a young quarterback that they need to put the necessary pieces around. And it sounds like they're going to be aggressive starting in free agency. And one quote that stood out to me later in the press conference, 
He said, we're not going to sit on our hands. And I think that's been a phrase I've used over the years to describe the Bengals in free agency. Obviously, that wasn't the case last offseason, and it doesn't feel like it's going to be the, the case in a couple of weeks when everything opens. Yeah, the prevailing takeaways from most journalists that I've read today so far, yourself included, are, are very much in line with what you just said. They're going to spend in free agency. They, they think they've got something very special with Joe Burrow. They're aware of it. But there's a few other things that stood out to me as well, James. And I guess let's start with my, my big takeaways or our big takeaways. That's where we're starting. And then we'll go into some of the specifics. I have a, a five-point bulleted list here of the things that were my big takeaways from, from the Duke Tobin presser. I also live tweeted it. So we, I, I have notes. I'm ready. But my five <laughs> big takeaways, because somebody responded and said, I, I didn't really like his answers, but I also don't like Duke Tobin. And so I said, with Duke, you know, you always got to read between the lines. He's very good at not telling you things outright, but he's also very good at telling you what's going on if you know what to pay attention to. And this was the case, I think, last year when, you know, down at the Combine, John and Joe, John Sheeran and Joe Goodberry talked to Duke Tobin, or not at the Combine, at the Senior Bowl. And, and we had that audio on this podcast then. So my five takeaways are they're going to sign guys in free agency. They're going to spend money. Two, they know the offensive line is bad. And this is a big one because you compare it to last year in January and in February and in March, we were telling you, we think this team thinks this offensive line is better than it is. This year, I don't think they're under any such illusion. Third, they know they have an advantage when it comes to cap flexibility. Duke Tobin was open to talking about cap cuts. He was open about knowing that they're in better shape than a lot of other teams in the league, and they're eager eager to press that advantage. Fourth, I think that there are cap cuts coming. I think that he talked up a bunch of veterans on the team that have done good things for the Bengals for a long time, and I think that you only do that when you're getting ready to ask guys to take a pay cut or, or get cut. So I think that's talking about Geno Atkins, potentially uh, Bobby Hart, potentially some of the other veterans on the team that we've talked about is these are the guys they would cut if they cut guys. And finally, the, the, the fifth big one was if you're thinking about them trading a uh, fourth round, fifth round pick for one of these guys that's being rumored to come up on the trade market before they're most likely inevitably released, don't expect the Bengals to play in that ballpark. I don't think they're interested in trading draft picks. What did he say or how did you interpret it that that led you to that conclusion about the trade part of it. I think he was talking about the amount of, of capital that they have, the assets that they have, because I think somebody asked him straight up about trading and it just didn't seem like from, from a financial perspective, from a, from a draft pick perspective, he was interested in giving up the draft capital they have. I think that he is very aware of the, the two-pronged benefit of draft picks this year, it's cheaper and, well, it's cheaper. I, I guess it's really just that. <laughs> it's not really two. It's, it's uh, something that you can develop in-house and, and is cheaper. Whereas you give up that pick, maybe you get a known commodity, like a guy like Andrew Norwell, for example, but it's $13 million that now is locked away and you can't do anything about that $13 million. And so... There's a lot of flexibility that you get with the with the draft pick. You get to pick the player you want, which maybe isn't a proven vet, but you save a ton of money. 
Sure. And that's the smart way to go, I think. A lot of years, I would say, trade a fourth rounder for a proven commodity. I was on the, the Trent Williams train last year, right? Trade and go get him. But this year, there's going to be so many veterans that hit the market. Why would you give up a future asset to take on a bloated contract or, or take on a guy that's had a down year? Because there's going to be other guys that are probably comparable that hit the market that you can get without giving up draft compensation. The The other thing that I think was interesting, and I asked him about this, a few people asked him, the franchise tag and using the franchise tag, not using the franchise tag. And right now, the the one thing, as you listen to this, if it's Tuesday, the franchise tag deadline, as we record this on Monday evening around 630 Eastern time, the franchise tag deadline is four o'clock Eastern time Tuesday. But there's no official cap set. We don't know what the franchise tag number is going to be. So GMs across the league are saying, hey, Let's push this down so the tag deadline could be pushed. And if that's the case, it's going to give the Bengals more time to negotiate with Carl Lawson and William Jackson III. They're two tag candidates. And maybe they can bring one of them back on a long-term deal. Because if not, we're talking about less than 24 hours before they have to make up their mind whether or not they're going to use this tag. And now it looks like it could be be extended a little bit. That That's the tough part of Duke Tobin's job right now. It's easy for us to say, do this, do this, do this, do this. Well, he doesn't even know what the tag number is going to be, and he's trying to outline this plan where he gets the Bengals from 4-11-1 to the playoffs because that has to be their goal right in that building at Paul Brown Stadium right now. And that's a that's a tough ask when you don't know what that official number is going to be. And a million dollars matters. If it's $17 million versus $16 million for Carl Lawson, it's a big difference when you're talking about the, the state of the team potentially and what moves you're going to make in free agency assuming you're planning on being aggressive. And Dave Lapham asked like three questions about how hard is it to do this? How hard is it to do that? There, there are all these questions about different types of uncertainty that Duke Tobin is dealing with. And you're 100% right that that deadline for the franchise tag could get pushed out if we don't know the salary cap number imminently. Really, by the time you're listening to this podcast, that, that cap number needs to come sooner. It's going to get pushed. You wonder also if there might be an impact to the start of the league year if if they can't figure it out by this time next week, which I can't really imagine. But I think either way, the the very likely outcome at this point is the Bengals are going to tag Carl Lawson and they're going to continue to try to get a long-term deal worked out. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to happen before tomorrow at this point. I, 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 don't, I don't think that really there's any indication that could happen. But as Jeff Hobson pointed out in his most recent article, the Bengals are keeping things close to the vest, even with him. And I thought that was a very interesting thing that he pointed out in his most recent, uh, his mailbag, his Hobson's Choice piece that came out recently. Speaking of Jeff Hobson, Jeff Hobson going to join us on Wednesday's show. Butch Hobson going to be here on Locked on Bengals. So that was a, a really, really easy way to plug that. So if you haven't hit subscribe yet, you might as well right now. So you can get Jake's takes, my takes, and of course, Jeff Hobson's takes. Up next, we'll continue to comb through Duke Tobin's pre-free agency news conference right here on Locked On Bengals. But I mentioned it earlier, rockauto.com. If you're new to the podcast, this is a place that I go to when I need any type of parts for my car. I drive a Toyota Corolla, but it doesn't matter what you drive. You could drive a Honda, Kia, Daewoo. And you might not even know what the hell a Daewoo is. But if you drive a Benz, Bentley, doesn't matter. Rock Auto has the parts you're looking for. You need to check them out at rockauto.com right now. And the best part about it, they're so convenient. 
You can shop from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to mask up and go to the big box store to watch some dweeb type out on his computer. You can be that dweeb sitting in your home with your fuzzy slippers at rockauto.com, finding the parts that you need to make sure your car stays on the road. So make sure you check them out right now. Rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure, be sure, be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Duke Tobin did give a little update, and it wasn't specific, but a little update on Joe Burrow. And so cue the Joe Burrow sounder. Here's the latest update on the 24-year-old. He said, it looks very positive for the future and for this coming season for Joe. That's pretty much it. He said the good news is with Joe, what I've seen around here is he's attacking rehab with full speed and looks great. And and so it's been very positive seeing him fight back. But again, the fact that he said for this coming season for Joe, I think that's your your little Joe Burrow nugget. uh, Bengals fans, if you're looking for one in the Duke Tobin press conference, as far as Joe Burrow's health is concerned. Speaking of health, Jake, I think that was something that uh, was kind of a an underlying theme, fair to say. He mentioned health multiple times as to why the Bengals finished 4-11-1 last year. He said that the first things first, they need to stay healthy or be more healthy than they were over the past couple of seasons if they expect to have more success. He referred to the health of the team multiple times when referring to the offensive line uh, a couple times, certainly when, when bringing up Zach Taylor coming back for 2021 and the two coordinators, Luana Rumo and Brian Callahan coming back mentioned health again. Is is that something that stood out to you? The fact that Duke referred to health? I, I think it was probably four or five times. I know I got a couple of tweets about it when I posted the video. Absolutely. It was part of my tweet thread. It was something that I noticed as a recurring theme. I wouldn't even call it an underlying theme as much as a recurring or, or overlying theme or major theme of the press conference. It was constant. They think rightly or wrongly, that injuries were a major part of their struggles last year. And I kind of get where they're coming from, right? So they probably look at it and they see that they lost DJ Reader and Trey Waynes, two guys that they thought highly enough of to spend a lot of money on. They got worse for sure because they didn't have either of those guys playing. And instead, LaShawn Sims was getting snaps at corner. If Trey Waynes doesn't get hurt, you don't get nearly so many LaShawn Sims snaps. LaShawn Sims snaps at, that's a mouthful at corner. So you lose those two guys, you lose Geno Atkins effectively to an injury the whole year. That's your whole defense, right? You've lost your interior defensive line. They talk about playing street free agents on the interior of the defensive line. And beyond that, you lose Joe Burrow, right? And, and that's the big one. You lose him for six games. They probably think they could have won some of those games. They lose Joe Mixon for most of the year. That doesn't even mention CJ Uzama, the multiple injuries along the offensive line, the shuffling that injuries on the offensive line forced. So I see where they're coming from. Injuries hurt them, but injuries hurt every single professional football team. And the responsibility of Duke Tobin is to make sure that there is depth to be able to withstand at least some of this sort of injury. No team can handle losing a quarterback very well unless they're extraordinarily lucky in health in other departments. So I do think that, yes, it was a little bit much in terms of using injuries as, as an excuse. That's how it did feel to me. It was a justification for why Lou Anarumo is back. But I also can see where they're coming from 
to a pretty large degree, actually. And hopefully that's why they focus on the offensive line before the defense. They, see, I'm going to twist it into my agenda here because if, if health is a problem, well, you're hoping DJ Reader and Trey Waynes can be healthy and bolster that defense because that's what you're paying them for. And what are you hoping health-wise? Yeah, Jonah Williams, you hope he can play 16 games and not just 10. But outside of that, Trey Hopkins comes back. Well, the offensive line, with or without Trey, is still has glaring holes. So uh, ho- hopefully that's the, the case there. But yeah, look, the Bengals were bad in 2020, but health was a problem. If Burrow, you know, I know if ifs, if ifs and buts were candy and that, but if Burrow was healthy, DJ Reader stayed healthy and Trey Waynes was healthy, then maybe you're talking about a defense that was better. You know, if Geno Atkins was healthy, right? A defense that was a little better than we saw and Maybe they go on more of a run down the stretch than winning just two out of three. And we're talking about a seven, eight, and one team that feels like it's building the way we thought. And so I get that. And heck, I was the guy who was out on Zach Taylor, you know, a couple, what, in late November, early December. So I get that. And I understand that at the same time, from his, him, his perspective, I can see why health was a factor. And that's why this year is the prove it year. To me, you got to go out and get the depth and get the guys. So when you do have injuries, your coaching staff can overcome them. And if not, then you probably get the verdict that for better or worse that you're you're looking for, you're wanting to see, because I think the verdict is still out to a degree on the staff. Yeah. And we heard that when we talked talk to uh, Doug Farrar as well. And, and I, I do get it, but I think that enough went wrong on the defensive side of the ball that I still think that it would have been very reasonable to move on from Lou Anarumo, but Tobin credited stability when he's talking about the offense. He thinks that keeping stability around Joe Burrow because historically instability in terms of starting or head coaches and offensive coordinators around young quarterbacks ends really poorly. So he's talking about stability around their young quarterback that they want to build around. And he, he cited those defensive interior players that they lost on defense. Like, they were, they were literally playing entirely street-free agents on the interior defensive line. That is true. They lost DJ Reader, Geno Atkins, Josh Tupo, Vernell Wren before the season started for, for some of those guys or early in the season for others, and Geno was never 100%. So I do get where they're coming from there, but that's only one position. Trey Waynes, too. We talked about that. So the injuries they had were very impactful. The depth they had was not sufficient, and I get that it was hard in a COVID year, but... It can't be an excuse again. And that goes for Duke Tobin too. You, you you look back at the 2019 draft right now, Zach Taylor's first draft, and it looks like Jonah Williams and nothing. I mean, Drew Sample's a fine player. Maybe that's a little harsh on Drew Sample. Jermaine Pratt, jury out in a big way. And beyond that, I think it might actually literally be nothing. So it's not just on the coaches. Duke's got to start hitting some draft picks again. And 2020 was a step in the right direction. And they've got to spend their money that they're going to spend in a smart way. And I did some math today, James, to figure out how much money I think they have available for free agents. Looking back at last year and their historical trends of spending as a percentage of the cap. Andre Perota figured this out. Shout out Andre Perota. He's been tracking this for a while. In the last five years or so, the Bengals are averaging spending about 103% of the unadjusted cap, meaning the NFL wide cap with no carryover money in cash on a year to year basis. 
So this year, if the cap ends up being $185 million, that puts them in the $190 million cash spend range. Cash spend, of course, we've talked a lot, not equal to cap spend. In fact, upfront cash spend pushes off cap spend because those signing bonuses that are upfront cash spend are prorated over the cap. We're not going to talk too much about the cap mechanics here, but we will talk about how much cash I think the Bengals will have available based on their history and based on what we're expecting rookies to earn against cash spend. I think that rookies will probably take about 24 million or so, 20 to $25 million in cash spend, maybe a little bit less. They're picking a little bit lower this year. And last year they spent $33 million on rookies alone because T Higgins and Joe Burrow signing bonuses combined. And in addition to their salaries to $28 million in cash, again, picking a little bit lower this year, not necessarily giving out all that signing bonus money means less spending on rookies. In total, if they do cut Geno Atkins and Bobby Hart, as we expect, that gives them a remaining probably 65 to $80 million in cash to spend. And when you're thinking about cash spend, think about year one salary, year one roster bonus, and signing bonus. For this year, most of that cash spend should go to signing bonus money that can be prorated into future cap years and give the Bengals more flexibility this year. And then in future years, you'll start to see some of those roster bonuses kicking in and that will start to eat up some of their future cash spend. The point here is, even after rookies, they have a lot of money to spend on extensions, on free agents, and on bringing guys in to make this team better. And the good news is, it does feel like they're on the same page as us. Again, going back to the beginning of segment two, Duke Tobin, it, it feels like they're going to be aggressive. And Zach Taylor talks later this week, so we'll get to hear from him. And hopefully he'll say sort of the, the same thing that they plan on courting some of these free agents and getting some deals done over the next few weeks. Very excited to watch how all that develops. I think it's going to be an exciting free agency period for the Bengals and for Bengals fans. So I hope you're all looking forward to it. Tag along for the ride with us here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. We'll be with you every day along the way. And we'll see how this COVID season impacts free agency, which opens next week. Tomorrow, as James previewed, we've got Jeff Hobson joining the podcast. The day after that, Zach Taylor expected to address the media. We'll talk about what Zach had to say. And then we'll get into a mailbag for Friday in the weekend. If there are free agents that you have specific questions on, get those questions ready. We might put up the thread a little bit early this week so that if there are any players you want us to talk about specifically, we have time to go watch them and do a little bit of research. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.